wind chill factor was 65 below. Laying in the snow, you can watch your partners die. Minnesotans know cold weather. That's where Jerry Sperry grew up. But even the worst of Minnesota winters couldn't prepare you for the depth of cold that Jerry experienced in the mountains of North Korea 72 years ago. It was 35 below, not counting windshield. But the cold was a secondary concern for Jerry and his fellow Marines. They were under attack, surrounded and severely outnumbered by a massive force of Chinese communist troops, which had just entered the Korean War. It was the Battle of Chosen Reservoir. There would be thousands of Marine casualties, and there could have been many, many more. But the Marines fought with incredible ferocity, fending off constant human wave attacks that came at great cost to the Chinese. Despite the odds, the Marines were able to fight their way along a mountainous road that allowed them to escape annihilation. Marine Sergeant Jerry Sperry was in the thick of what's considered one of the most legendary battles in Marine history. He was wounded, but made it out as one of the chosen few as they've come to be known over the years. That battle also began a long association between the Marine Corps and the Tootsie Roll, which Jerry can explain with great delight. I joined the Marine Corps in 1949. I was 16 years old. And you had to have mother's permission. And I had my mother's signature that uh, I could do whatever the military wanted. When you were sent to Korea, what did you anticipate you would find there? I did not have any idea of what I would be there for. When we arrived, we had arrived in South Korea and unloaded, and my first job there was to set on a, a six-by that had I think 12 barrels of high-octane fuel, and I was to guard that. I figured I was somebody, but I wasn't, because if I had to shoot somebody, I'd have probably missed him anyway. <laughs> you were there for not many weeks, and we you was, were shot. We, we was there for not many days. Uh, I was wounded the first time in September of 1950. There were two of us standing on the hill. One was Black Jack Stevens. He was uh, Captain Black Jack Stevens. He was the company commander. We was on top of the hill, and the rest of the guys, mortars and machine guns, were down at the bottom of the hill. Blackjack was like me. He wasn't scared of too much of anything. I was bleeding like a stuck hog, and I come running off the hill, and I was hollering at him to get up on top of the hill and help the captain. Where were you hit? I was hit in the lower arm, and I got that fixed, and they sent me to... Nara, Japan, for R and R. I was supposed to go to the home, come home to go back to the states, but I instead they took me to Hong Nam and dropped me off the boat. I had to get my way back up to my unit. So was that at your request? Uh, no, that was uh, I was scheduled you to were go. Or, you were ordered to come I back. Was, I was scheduled to go to the Incheon landing. That didn't happen. The boat turned around and went the other way and took me up to Hong Nam and dropped me off, and I started looking for my unit. And I found them on the 18th or 19th 
of November. Of November. How do you find a unit? I mean, are you by yourself looking I'm for I'm by them? myself. I was the only one on that lousy boat. You just start asking questions. Sometimes nobody knew where anybody was. Uh, you start asking questions, and if you're lucky, you'll find a jeep that belongs to the Marine Corps, and jump on it, and they'll take you right to where you're supposed to go. So you find your guys in November, and in late November, you're in the Chosen Reservoir. Yep. And that's when it starts. Yep. We were attacked by nine divisions of Chinese. You guys are horribly outnumbered, like four or five to one. We were outnumbered 20 to one is what we they said we were uh, outnumbered by. We did not retreat. If you think that we retreated, you can uh, kiss my donkey. But the walk back down was 72 miles. That we went from the Chosin back down to the 38th parallel. When the fighting started, it's really, really, really cold. It's like. It, it was really cold. We've had pilots tell us the wind, the wind chill factor was 65 below. Laying in the snow, you can watch your partners die. Your gear didn't work, vehicles wouldn't start. How did you survive the cold? Because so many troops just were frostbitten. Well, number one, you didn't have parkas that were good enough, but they had, our engineers had put up warming tents. And you could go into the warming tent and spend 15 minutes, but when your 15 minutes was up, they would run you out. One time, a guy went in there and he had a can of beans, and he put the can of beans on the stove and went to sleep. Well, the can of beans exploded. He grabbed his BAR and went running towards the exit and put a hole in the roof, a lot of hole. For each individual, I, I claim that because I was raised in Minnesota, I claim that that's what kind of helped me. But then I see these guys laying down there wounded, freezing to death. Did you actually see fellow Marines taken away after they passed because of the cold? We, we knew not of what they died from. It could have been the cold, it could have been the shot, it could have been just about anything. Pneumonia setting in, uh, sickness, it could be. When you go to bed at night, did you, you, you had a sleeping bag, but you say they weren't you very effective. How did you stay warm at night? You didn't stay warm at night. You didn't use your sleeping bag either. Otherwise, you'd get your throat cut. The Chinese were kind of smart. They could wait till they figured that somebody was wore out and they would slither up and usually catch the guys asleep, and that's what killed them. So you just don't sleep then? No, you just don't sleep. You can go without sleep for a long time. Well, you got somebody who's got eyes on. You have people who are staying awake at some point. Oh, I was one of them. I, would, I wouldn't go to sleep. attacks first started, the Chinese would attack in human waves, and they would make a lot of noise, and they would say, that was China. Marines, tonight you die, and things. That, did you hear all that? That was China. Oh, yeah. And the fireworks. Yeah, the fireworks were tremendous. The ones we have here on the 4th of July, just they're not even uh, could pale in comparison. Not even show, yeah. show what they would, and, they would, and not only that, they would only call you out your names. Like uh, Captain Fenton, uh, tonight you die. 
They knew uh, your names? Yeah, they knew your names. And the for enemy what? knows your name and they're they yelling knew, out your they name? They knew your names. They had a woman they called Tool City Sue. She was like the one that they had in World War II. Tokyo Rose. Yeah. She would mention a lot of names. So they're, they're doing these stealth attacks where they're trying to catch you as you're sleeping, but they're also attacking in large numbers, and they're beating cymbals and making all kinds of noise and trying to intimidate. Well, that was, and they that was human waves. That noise that they were making, that was to uh, make their troop uh, come aware that they were here to fight a war. So is most of the most of the the shooting at night or is it during the day? Or oh, both? mostly at night. Mostly at night. Yeah, they come down in droves, and we held them back till we got people up on the, on the road to start walking, and they put the roadblocks up about every couple three miles it seemed like, uh, but we always made it through there. We brought all of our wounded. Or walking wounded. Did you find yourself at any point involved in hand-to-hand combat? We were in hand-to-hand combat just on a short occasion. Did you feel at any point in time being so outnumbered and miserable from the cold with equipment that wouldn't work on occasion no, that we, you were not going to make it out of there? Did, did you ever doubt your ability to survive? I think we did think we would never make it out of there. But if you get a bunch of guys like I served with, if you get that bunch, it's Katie bar the door to you because we're not going to give up. Granted, we'll, we'll say that when we got down to the Yellow River, they did have a strap because they blew the bridge. But thank goodness for two units of the military that is very much well forgotten. That is our corpsmen and our airmen. They dropped the expansion bridge close enough to the river where the Army engineers could take and set it up and pulled over to the other side. That was your ticket out. If they hadn't dropped that amphibious bridge, you but guys they, might have been annihilated. If, if they hadn't have uh, bought that bridge, then uh, I wouldn't be talking to you. Right. Uh, hard telling where I'd be more than likely in the Yellow River. How do you keep each other's spirits up if you're in a situation where you're just, it's miserable apart from combat and, and you're facing possible annihilation, how do you keep each other pumped up? I don't know how to answer your question. It, it's mind-boggling to me that in my situation, I walked out of there not giving a shit, oh, excuse me. That's all right. Not giving a dang if anybody is watching me or what. But I did figure the first guy that got in front of me, I'm going to shoot him. Well, that didn't happen. So what, what keeps us going? We're all Americans. We love our country. We'll fight for our country. Well, you were wounded a second time. Yes. And that was at Chosen. That was at, coming out of the Chosen, right. And what happened on that occasion? Uh, I bled for a little while and got up to, to the corpsman, and they cleaned it up and sent me back to my unit. Shrapnel, bullet? And I don't know what it was. It's this scar right here. Right above your left eye. Yeah. So I've seen... And frozen feet. You had that as well. As well. And reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is a a condition of frozen feet that works on the muscles in your legs. The older you get, the the harder it works. 
I've seen pictures. I've seen the video. You lived it. And you guys were often described, you've described yourselves as walking zombies when you're coming. And how many miles are you walking? 72 miles. 72 miles. And the conditions haven't changed much. It's still Still winter. the depths of winter. And you're freezing your rear ends off. I, I I just can't imagine how you made it out of there. Well, we didn't have enough vehicles to haul us out. Most of our vehicles were were loaded with bodies, or the uh, walking wounded uh, had to walk. I saw one guy that he had both arms was in slings. He got between a six by and a jeep with a trailer on it, and in the snow and ice, the driver put his brakes on the, the six by, and it wouldn't stop, and he crushed him right up against that trailer. If we saw guys alongside the road, we'd go to them. One uh, guy decided he was going to fight whoever come after him, and it took two people to hold him down. But uh, got him up, got him on a stretcher, and once again, our corpsman, God bless them, once again, our corpsman had the facilities and the way to do it by fixing him so he could get, at least get back to a vehicle where he could get a ride. So Major General Oliver Smith is asked about the retreat, and he says, retreat? Hell, we're advancing in a different direction. It, well, I don't and, think, I'm not sure who said that. They said it was O.P. Smith, but I don't know. I'll tell you what it says. Retreat, hell, if you believe we retreated, kiss my donkey. <laughs> so you've just gotten up, and <laughs> that's on the back of your shirt. There, there, there's a... Uh, Here, let me get you to sit back down so I can hear you there. Okay. The, the, the answer by one of the general officers was, retreat, hell, we just fight in a, diff- right. a different direction. Well, whoever said it and what the exact words were, the sentiment was... We're not retreating. No, we're, we're not, we're not retreating. giving up without a fight. No, we did not retreat. When you finally got to Hung Nam, which is the exit there for most of the troops, most of the Marines, what did you have a feeling of relief? Well, we got back just below the 38th parallel. That's when we had relief. That uh, most, a lot of them were still coming out and still moving through us. But when we hit the 38th parallel, that that was about it. So what was your thought when you got to the 38th parallel? Uh, get something to eat. <laughs> because you hadn't eaten very well, you hadn't slept. No, no, you had Tootsie Rolls. All right, let's, let's talk Tootsie Rolls. All right, what happens is you're running out of 80 caliber mortar rounds. Uh, yeah. Right? And there's a code to get more of those supplies. And so the code is... Tootsie, Tootsie Rolls. rolls. Uh, somebody calls in and says, we need Tootsie Rolls, right? And the well, ra- he got the recommendation for yeah. for for Tootsie Rolls because that's what it was called. Yeah, but, but the, he, the radio operator doesn't have the code book, so he, he doesn't know that you want mortar shells. He sends you Tootsie Rolls. That's what he thought. <laughs> that's exactly okay, what Okay, so describe this for me now. you got planes coming in, and they are dropping, honest to goodness, Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls. Tell me what that looked like. But, you know, those Tootsie Rolls 
saved a lot of lives. So, they're, but they're falling to earth. They're parachuted. They're on pallets, and they're landing around you. What are you thinking? Well, some of them, first... some of them landed in the wrongest place. But then, you know, here sitting there talking to you, I don't remember. But that one parachute coming out that was floating back towards the other side to the Chinese. Yeah, they, yeah. So they got it had to be Chinese. Too. What did all of you think when you discovered that you weren't getting the ammo, you were getting Tootsie Rolls? What did what did you make of that? I don't remember. You know that? When I remember the, the, the drop, and I remember getting Tootsie Roll, but we thought, I, I thought that was for the kids that was in the, with the refugee, but it was, it was for everybody. Uh, so you ate them, you did Oh, you? yeah, we ate them. <laughs> You bet you did taste it pretty good, too. <laughs> Haven't had any breakfast, no supper. Well, they, they, uh, apart from tasting good, they gave you some energy when you needed it in the cold, right? Yeah. And, and you, you also used them for other purposes. Oh, yeah. Tell we me used, about that. We, we used them. There was an old Ford Jeep, and that old Ford Jeep got a hole in its radiator. So somebody said, hell, give him a Tootsie Roll. So I took a Tootsie Roll and... Took it out of the wrapper and shoved it in the hole. Guess what? It held. And that thing, as far as I know, it was still moving when we got when we got back. Well, that was uh, thus the Marine Corps and Tootsie Rolls have had a relationship for a long time. Oh yeah. Were all you guys though scratching your heads and saying, why did we get sent candy here? I don't think anybody even cared as long as I, I, I really don't. <laughs> as long as you had well, something to eat. Right? I, I, you know, you can say all you want and laugh all you want, but I sometimes I thought it was funny too, but when, when you're doing without for so long, your system seems to get used to, you'll eat someday, buddy. But our cooks done the best they could with the tools they had. As we speak here today, we're in your, we're in your, uh, frozen chosen office and you have filled this place with memorabilia of the chosen reservoir books pictures everything that everything that 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 you went through is kind of memorialized here and i want to know the level of pride that you feel in being one of the chosen few the chosen few yes this is my office this is where i put the memorabilia and things that I have so far from the Korean War. The American flag, everything that you see, Paul, is stuff that is uh, Korean War born. That, that's what it's all, all about. But it's your way to remember and it's your way to honor your fellow Marines who served over there. That's right. That's right. So you have, this is a great source of pride for you. You wouldn't go to this effort if you weren't proud of where you were and what you did. Well, I'll tell you what, if I, if they would let us do it again, I know I'm not the only one that's going to say this or has said it, but if they let us go back again and we could choose who we wanted to go with, I would make Baker Company 1st Battalion, 5th Marines of the 1st Marine Provisional Brigade to Korea. Those were a bunch. There's not many of them left. Do you still have contact with some of the people who were there with you? Oh, yeah, I still have contact with... The, the president of the National Chosen Few, he was on the same ship that Henrico I was. When we left, nobody knew where we were going. We was out to sea when it finally told us we were going to Korea. Well, where in the hell is Korea? 
Don't know. Had never heard of it. Well, we found out where it was. I imagine one of the reasons you have all this here is because you want people to remember, people to know, and a lot of people don't know about what you went through. Yes. My feeling is our kids are growing up, and they're, one of these days they'll be, maybe, I hope they don't have to, but maybe they'll be doing a thing like this with uh, me and you, Paul. Them kids hunger for knowledge of history. There's so many schools that's got veterans in their, in their community, but these veterans, I don't know, they sit on their donnaker and uh, what do they do? What they could do is get with a history teacher and tell them some of this history. Those kids would like to know. about flight 102 for honor flight chicago you went on it i, I, happen, <laughs> I happen to be on that same flight i was not with you when you went to the korean memorial but i'd like to know what your thoughts were when you saw it it was history making to me and i learned a lot from what i saw uh, the veteran could do no wrong if they needed something uh, all somebody would have to do is just hear it uh, that they needed, they'd be able to ask them, well, how many do you want? And off they would go and be back in a couple minutes to give them whatever they wanted to eat. But you had not seen the memorial before. Had you, had you been there I before? Had, I, you know, no. When I was stationed at Quantico, Virginia, I had gone to the, the uh, Pentagon more than once. And I always wanted to go there. But every time I went to Washington, D.C., get in that circle, Mm -hmm. around the capital, I get lost. Right. So I figured I won't go back there no more. So Well, so when you're standing there and you're looking at it, and it's a pretty impressive memorial, and it now has the names of all 38,000 Americans who died in Korea, was it a pretty moving experience for you? Yes. The ones in, in the D.C., they were so correct, so just like the guys, that you would think you were standing there talking to them. My mind has gotten changed after I've talked to Paul here, uh, after I've talked to people there at Washington, D.C. I've changed my mind. It, if you don't see it, you don't know what you're missing. If you get to see it, you'll have something to remember. That's what you'll remember, what the U.S. done to those people in Korea in 1950. When you see those figures that they have there, larger-than-life figures. Oh, yeah, they're larger-than-life. I do not believe that whoever there's a sculpture on that, I could not believe that they didn't see these guys face to face. Did it take you back in time? When I started thinking back, like now, it hurts a little bit, but we know they're in a better place. And let's hope to God will show that it was not all for naught. It was to take human beings and make them human, not slaves. And I will always remember it. And if you either one of you guys laugh at me because my eyes are tearing up now, I'm going to get out and go pee on the post. You don't need to do that. Yeah. You can tear up. That's yeah. just fine. It, uh, Sergeant Jerry, thank you for sharing with me. Well, Paul, let's work together, and we'll see if we can't raise some uh, shackles in the high school. 
That's where we got to go. Tell stories. We got to go to the the, uh, high school or to the college. You're a battler, aren't you? Huh? You're a battler. No, I'm just stupid, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not stupid. Thanks. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anytime that uh, you're down in the area and you don't stop and I hear about it, Don't worry, I'll stop. (laughs) We hope you found today's Honor Thank Inspire episode to be informative and meaningful. Perhaps your appetite has been whetted for a Tootsie Roll or two. Whatever the case, please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors. To support our mission to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.